Uh, hi, welcome to the New Year's episode of Story Guts, 2018 edition. Hi, I'm Molly Curran. <laughs> and I'm Alice Lai. So this is Story Guts, where the <laughs> story we explore what the stories we tell tell about us. Okay, way to just completely... My long break of silence was because our episode isn't exactly New Year's themed, so it kind of threw me off. Well, it's kind of New Year's themed in that we're, this episode we're talking about redemption arcs. Which I guess is that's why. true. It's like New Year, New You, make up for all the terrible crimes you once committed. <laughs> right. All the, or the orphanage you, you burned down. And all, all the children that. you pushed out of windows. <laughs> right. Did, did Voldemort burn down an orphanage? He did, didn't he? I feel like he burned down an orphanage. I, like, I, I feel like, yeah, I feel like Voldemort, like, or Tom Riddle, whatever, like, the orphanage he was stationed at, like, mysteriously disappeared. Or, okay, maybe not. I think, like, kids mysteriously got hurt when they played with him, but I don't think he burned down the whole orphanage. Maybe. Yeah, I guess so. So, I think one but thing... Either way, he didn't get a redemption arc, so, kind of a side. <laughs> yeah, Voldemort just turned into, like, a gross baby. Yes. Right? Yeah. Um, so, I don't know, one thing I think I liked about our previous episodes was that we sort of spend the first half of it, give or take a few percentages, talking generally about the trope and then going into, like, more specific examples. Mm-hmm. Um, so, let's talk about redemption arcs, because, I mean, it is New Year's, it is new resolutions, it is, like, time to, like, turn over a new leaf. Sometimes this is, like, I'm, I'm on a redemption arc to treat my body better. <laughs> like will my body forgive me like i don't know <laughs> um, i'm trying yeah sorry we're um we're both sick we're, so. we both have colds not the same cold it might be the same cold but like literally everyone in the house including the cat is sneezing and sniffling which is not a super great way to usher in 2018 could be better but so apologize while we stuffily talk our way through our poor immune systems so your your redemption will be trying to redeem yourself for the things you have done to your body. <laughs> well, I think I think it's it is neat. I mean, it's like yeah. I mean, my redemption arc is I'm gonna try to live my best life. Um, so so past Alice, well, like forgive present Alice for slightly think- less past Alice's actions. Or maybe present Alice will forgive past Alice. Future Alice will forgive past Alice. For present... For, due to present Alice's actions. Yes. There you go. Yeah, there you go. Right. It's a very, like... It's a nice moving target, mm-hmm. I guess. But yeah, New Year's resolutions. How about you, Molly? Do you have any I'm trying, deeds to atone for? I'm trying not to do uh, do resolutions too much. Um, I think they they aren't good for me. But um, for blood sugar reasons, I'm trying to eat less sugar. Do you, did you get like a test thing that was like your blood I mean, sugar? I did a few high? years ago, 
and then it was too high and it's like I never really cut down at that point and now my dad is like very very close to being diabetic mm-hmm. and I'm just like oh I should probably like think about that how are you on like fruits are you also like oh, apples fruits are fine okay I mean I know I know like they they also have sugar in I them I, I mean I like... guess basically I just I eat like two pastries a day so I'm just trying to cut that down that sounds delicious I know it is it's amazing <laughs> um oh and then other than that I guess my my biggest resolution is that I'm trying to like let people be wrong by oh. which I mean um both if people have opinions about things that I disagree with because I'm right and they're wrong, just let them just let them think that mediocre thing that they like is great, mm-hmm. or let them think that great thing they like um, is just mediocre or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, you know, if people just say something and it's wrong and it doesn't really matter that they, you know, named the wrong actor in a movie or something. Are you, t- are you talking about me right now? I mean, you're a person for whom oh that gosh. happens. Actually, this reminds me of um, in middle school. I do remember this this pivotal formative moment when a kid was checking out uh, a series of unfortunate events by Lemony Snicket, and I was there, and I was like, "Oh, I don't like those books. I think they're kind of dumb." Or like, or like, I don't like the way the author talks down to the reader. And the kid was like, "All right," and he like leaves, and the librarian was like. Do you understand how like there's no reason for you to have said that? And I'm like, huh, <laughs> right? Like it was like a very very librarianly telling me that I just made this kid's life worse a tiny bit for no reason. Um, yeah, pretty much that is what you did. Okay, <laughs> you didn't. Wow, all right. Um, um, I mean, I I did that kind of thing. I do that kind of thing. I mean. Like, I remember last year, I, as I was making new friends, several of them were very into BBC Sherlock, and mm-hmm. instead of just letting them be into BBC Sherlock, I had to rub my opinion all over their their happiness. Right. Um, like, or even somebody just told me that they were reading The Goldfinch, and I felt the need to sort of jump in and be like, The Goldfinch is only half of a good book. The Goldfinch? Uh, um Luckily, that person actually agreed with my opinion, so we had a good chat about it. Um, mm-hmm. But if they had been loving it, that was a real dick move of me. Um, so I, I'm clearly not doing that well on this resolution, but it's something I want to try and think about more. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Like, I think resolutions in like a very specific, like goal-oriented, like I'm going to go to the gym more. I'm going to like there was something very uh, self-defeating about them. Like New Year's resolutions are made to be broken as the saying goes, mm-hmm. um, and having more general self-improvement goals that you check back in on throughout the year is nice, and I don't know. It's true. You know what, like, all research shows that the exact opposite of what you just said is true, though. What? What? Let me just correct you for being wrong. <laughs> okay, just, it's for the podcast. Um, but, I mean, yeah, in fact, like, having specific goals oh, is good for you, think. and having general goals is bad for you. Um, <laughs> all right, all right, researchers. <laughs> Like, you know, it's like okay. the smart goals, like okay. measurable and whatever. Anyway. All right. All right. Measurable. Whatever. Blah, Specific blah, blah, blah. measurable. Uh, I don't remember what the other letters stand for, but. Smart. Yeah. Specific, measurable, actionable, reactionable. Reasonable. Reasonable. And. Timed. Testosterone. Timed. Okay. Wow. That was really. I love all these acronyms. I've been very big on introducing HALT to my life. I think Molly was also the one who introduced yes, me to it. HALT. Um, though right now I think we're, we're, we've evolved it. So right now it's SHALTATATA. There's three T's now. So there's sun, 
oh, this is like in case you're feeling crappy, you don't know why. So it's sun, uh, hungry, angry, uh, lonely. lonely, tired, thirsty, and I forget what the third T is. Well, <laughs> yeah, there was one. Oh, yeah, anyways, it's not. It doesn't matter. Too but. much TV. TV. I think it was related to maybe energy levels or. Um, oh yeah, it was too much concerts. <laughs> there you go. I don't think we ever had that problem. Um, yeah, it's it's not a general, but um, okay. Um, <laughs> We've... So okay, so that's all New Year's resolutions, which is loosely related, we guess, to the idea of the redemption arc mm-hmm. um, or redemption stories. Okay, like yeah, I think like more specifically, let's see, redemption stories. Obviously, the oldest redemption story, Jesus. Okay, was a first real of all, <laughs> I gotta correct you yet again. <laughs> Give me a... Okay, fine. There are stories older than Jesus. I know, I know. But, um... I mean, technically, Jesus did not redeem himself. No, he, he redeemed, redeemed the entirety us. of human, human race, which is yeah. not usually how redemption arcs work. No, not usually. Um... The oldest redemption arc. The sun redeeming the earth into forming life. Okay. Um, I mean, I put down my guess for the oldest redemption arc, which was the labors of Hercules. Do you I'm think... sure that's not the oldest at Right, all. yeah. I was going to say, I feel like Gilgamesh. Is there a redemption arc in Gilgamesh? I don't know. I'm not sure. Probably not. I mean, there might be. I mean, I think you could also make arguments for, like, like the Odyssey having redemption arc components. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's... I think it's interesting, like, yeah, redemption arc, and specifically in Hercules, there's this... I guess even the Iliad, like, is Achilles on a redemption arc mm-hmm. when he... Anyway, they're, they're various things. <laughs> Do you think about redemption arcs, like, so there's kind of redemption arcs, um, but there's also kind of the... There's been ideas about mortal sin in human history, like literally irredeemable acts. Yeah. Um, our redemption arcs, like in, for example, and we'll come come back to this later. Uh, Hercules, is that kind of sort of speaking to just how like life, like you know, just just like a like like more guilt than redemption, or like I was just thinking about what the redemption arc is like a process of the times, like like I was saying earlier irredeemable and like Calvinism is like oh you're fated there isn't really like you don't really redeem yourself and then right now we're kind of in a moment where where the I question of redemption is like really kind of on people's minds because we're getting a lot of just all the horrible men in everywhere mm-hmm. <laughs> and then uh kind of the the thing that kind of follows this up is usually like oh like how do we redeem these people uh, these men who have done horrible things, but who we like their TV, music, acting career, whatever. Um, so, and then like, and we're seeing like, you know, discourse kind of finally kind of being like, we don't talk about, we talk about redeeming these people, but we don't, don't talk about rescuing the woman or men that they've mm-hmm. driven away from the industries they're in. Um, which I think is interesting. I mean, just like looking at a lot of popular culture, there's really in like, in stories, there's nothing you can't be redeemed from, kind of. like. No, I think in stories that's pretty much true. Like, if you give it enough, like, temporal space, like, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter if you burned a village or killed a hundred people mm-hmm. or, you know, vivisected someone. Well, because, I mean, ultimately, you know, if you've done something horrible in this sort of fictional world, 
you die for someone else, and that's penance. Right. Um, and that's sort of accepted as 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 penance. I mean, and I think forgiveness is really tied up. I mean, really, this is I. I I, you know, said Jesus is not the oldest, uh, uh-huh. but I mean, I think you're completely right in that these, these themes of like sin and forgiveness, redemption, all of that is very Christian. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. Thanks for saying that because you're, you're right in that there, there, there is something very fundamentally like spiritual about redemption. Like that's kind of the first way we've heard that term or like I've heard that term used is like the redemption of the Christ. Is that how it's what it's called? I don't, the... I don't think so. <laughs> okay, don't forget about it. Um, I don't know. You're asking the wrong person, but I mean, I do think of redemption as being part of the sort of Christian discourse, um, along with ideas like forgiveness. I mean, forgiving, being forgiven, forgiveness, um, and seeking forgiveness. So redemption, kind of, you're thinking about it requires, and I think it's I I think this is an interesting topic because like we're talking about forgiveness now and um, sorry about like this rapid shifting of gears, but like redemption requires forgiveness. We've sort of talked about how a lot of people feel like redemption is their right. Like people yeah. who, and because redemption requires forgiveness, it becomes like an act an unchar- uncharitable act to withhold your forgiveness from someone who's yeah. seeking it. Um, which, you know, is, should be your right as the wrong party to just be like, mm-hmm. you fucked my life up, like, in many ways, and I don't forgive you. Um, yeah, I mean, there's a, there's a book that I have not read, it's sitting on my bookshelf, but it's about, um, about genocide and the Holocaust, and it's called Resentment's Virtue, and it's about pretty much, like, you're allowed to resent people who tried to exterminate you and your entire race like you you are allowed <laughs> you do not have to forgive um mm-hmm. and I, I do think like forgiveness has been sort of baked into us um mm-hmm. by christian morals mm-hmm. by stories that are influenced by those morals by by a lot of things as something that um that like people are owed people are owed the chance to be forgiven um i guess because because jesus says so and you know it's there's something very permanent like and we can continue thinking about it sorry do you did you want to finish your thought um i mean i was just gonna say like (laughs) i think kesha says it best um in her song praying where she says you know some things in life only god can forgive Mm -hmm. um which I, i i just love that line like this is not me making a joke i think that's an amazing song and i think it's an amazing line because i think it 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 points to the fact that, like, I don't know what's going on spiritually. I don't know what's going on with people's souls. I don't know, you know, what kind of spiritual redemption people are going through or whatever. But as a human being, I have the right not to forgive. Mm-hmm. Um, and if somebody wants to seek forgiveness, they can't seek it from me. They'll have to seek it from God. Because, like... Mm-hmm. Right, yeah. And that's That's great. And I think... Um, I, yeah, it, co- it comes to like the whole public performance of redemption. Like I have turned over a new leaf. Um, and maybe, and like going back to stories, it's like, because a story without a, redemp- a redemption arc without forgiveness is effectively unresolved. Like you don't know if the person has, um, 
balance the ledger in a kind of weird way of speaking, um, which is why like fictional redemption arcs maybe frequently end with death, just because we're like, they can't do no more wrong <laughs> or whatever. Yeah. Um, and I think we'll we'll be getting like into a lot of spoilers, uh, but we'll we'll tag them. We'll we'll mention yeah. them ahead of time. So, um, and I don't know. I mean, I think it's it's very fascinating the the way that yeah, like the, the narrative of redemption, the requirement. And I think I think it's. I mean, I almost hate to say this, but I think it's an incredibly satisfying. Mm-hmm. kind of arc right a kind of story arc like i i understand why people want it to apply mm-hmm. to real life and i don't think it does apply to real life in right. the way that it can feel like it's okay in fiction i think i think that's and it's very sad it's like very striking i'm thinking about the article you linked me before i went left winter break on the um, the professor or woman who was assaulted at stanford oh yeah um and then she finally gets a call from stanford but it's not to talk about you know, her assault, it's a student asking for donations. And that the kind of script we're given, I don't know, it's like we, we have this like truncated script, like kind of on both sides, like frequently, and we're seeing the result of this, like frequently people don't ask for forgiveness because they don't understand that they've done the unforgivable. Mm-hmm. And when they do, the victim kind of is expected to give forgiveness. There's no there's no space between these points to allow someone allow someone that kind of just like allow someone that their own agency because it's seen as vindictive or something right. to like well, de- delay those two points. Right. And I think like a, a lot of it also has to do with this idea of like, f- basically forgiveness should just be given. It's, it's like a, it, it's a, it's, um, it's like a transaction. Someone says, I'm sorry. And you say, okay, I forgive you. Mm-hmm. Even without any actual, like, maybe you can employ the language of of um, regret or mm-hmm. um, apology. But there's no actual concrete actions that indicate true, um, true remorse, right? Mm-hmm. Like, it's considered... Um, really gauche for a for somebody to um, you know ask for money like okay you're you're sorry for what you did to me then pay for my therapy you mm-hmm. know pay for my quality of life like mm-hmm. that's considered like oh my god that's just greedy and opportunistic um, but but like ultimately I mean ultimately words are just words mm-hmm. so like if there isn't some kind of I mean, and maybe that's why sort of these stories of redemption feel um, feel better to us than like actual um, whatever mm-hmm. attempts for, at seeking forgiveness is because like in these stories, it usually is on these huge terms of people like being willing to die for each other and people, um, you know, committing these like very larger than life acts um, of mm-hmm. of. Um, of like goodness in order to make up for some of their badness. Yeah. And I think I'm sort of thinking about earlier, like act of goodness to make up for their badness, which is like, like I was saying, like a lot of people don't get to the point where they realize they did something bad. It's sometimes just sort of like, (coughs) like just being able to be like, I forgive you. And it's like, yeah, I definitely fucked up is, is such a pivotal 
and cathartic moment mm-hmm. to just be like, you're, I mean, and this sounds super bleak, but sorry, that's just where we are right now. <sighs> um, to, to live in a world where people understand that they have done something bad is a powerful fantasy scenario. Yeah. And that's like, holy shit, is that dark? <laughs> but, um, like, you know, living in this moment, both as like people who follow the news and people who've, you know, followed a lot of these accusations, it's like, a lot of people still, a lot of men still highlighted media still don't really understand what's going on. And it's, I don't know, it's terrible <laughs> to under, to put to like, to the understatement of the year, I guess. Right. Um, no, I think, I think you're totally right. I think the fantasy of somebody understanding that what they did was wrong, fully taking, um, responsibility for it and ultimately paying for it in um some kind of major way through their actions um is really satisfying yeah yeah and it's and i guess that's the reason that people like withholding forgiveness is maybe seen as such an ungracious act is because um we sort of see asking for forgiveness as a rare act in and of itself Mm -hmm. and that you kind of have like if you refuse to close the loop um close the loop by like re- accepting their you know act of penance you're denying other people from vicariously experiencing that moment that mm-hmm. moment of like i'm sorry it's like like i forgive you um and i don't know and i think and this is kind of going out of the scope but i'm also thinking about like um when someone forgives you for something you're pretty sure that you did nothing wrong and that's that's a whole nother story but um maybe outside of this <laughs> maybe a little bit um not to turn this yeah not to turn this into like a wide discursive <laughs> spiral um yeah but i mean do you want to go do you want to talk more generally about it or do you want to go into i mean i think generally and maybe this can be how we start getting into examples is i want to talk about how male the redemption arc is oh perfect yeah um i like racked my brain and could come up with no really like within sort of big media that I've watched or read or like really popular things I couldn't think of any major female redemption arcs like uh, would, would the, not one the woman in house movie the witch of the west did not get a redemption arc in house moving castle did it did she not in the book real, no not in the book at okay all. yeah yeah because I was like I know that she didn't oh yeah she like no, yeah. In the movie, she's just like, oh, look, actually, she's this, like, gross, fat, harmless old lady, which I would not call a redemption arc. Right, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I think this is this is great, because when we were thinking about um, this topic, which, by the way, shout out to Becky Hickson for suggesting it. It's a very yeah. New Year's appropriate one. Yeah, um, thanks, Becky. Thanks, Becky. Um, we were thinking about, yeah, we were thinking about examples, and it's, like, very easy to rattle off, like, oh, Star Wars, Game of Thrones, Harry Potter, um... But you're right, like, I couldn't think of, like, a woman mm-hmm. in that role in a piece of media that wasn't kind of specifically constructed, like, maybe in, man, I was going to say, like, maybe even in the Angstory Justice series, but I don't think really, like, even though all the characters are agender, yeah. I'm not sure if there's a redemption arc in it. I mean, I guess you could, like, kind of argue that Breck is on a redemption arc, but... Oh, yeah, that's true. But, but like, kind of as our narrator we don't see her as um needing requiring redemption requiring redemption it sort of is because of the way it's told it doesn't feel like a redemption arc so much as a revenge (laughs) mission yeah Um, Yeah. or like or like we understand that 
she's driven in a sense of loyalty, redemption for herself. But we're right. Like, we don't see her as a bad character. Right. We don't see her as having been particularly wrong. And many of the things she did wrong, she was not culpable for. Mm -hmm. Because she didn't have agency. Yeah. Uh, So, yeah. So, I think that's, that's very interesting. And, like, we're thinking about even stuff like Wicked or whatever. We don't... Where, but Wicked doesn't work as we, as we discussed because it's not, it's less a redemption arc than it is a recontextualization mm-hmm. of the story. Like, what does this mean that women aren't, like, traditionally women aren't given the ability to atone for their misdeeds? I, I mean, I it's because, I mean, other than, like, there's a very facile, like, mm-hmm. you know, oh, like, society wants to see women suffer and, like, you know, they're, like, for a woman to... For women, a any misdeed is trans like permanently transformative, mm-hmm. and you can have like the evil evil queen kind of mm-hmm. um, archetype. But you don't really have like you don't really have a dynamic woman, I guess, or something. I'm uh, this is I'm kind of like spinning this. Yeah, I mean, I think I think at least in this sense, you don't get this this sort of narrative. And maybe there's some you know some example out there that's very obvious that we're missing. But I think the point still stands, like. All the ones, all the, like, redemption arcs that, like, jump immediately to mind are male. Um, And exactly what you're saying, like, sure, we've seen more of this sort of recontextualization. Um, Wicked is an example. Maleficent is a great example, which was a movie I loved. I loved Maleficent. Mm -hmm. Um, But it it recontextualizes these, quote-unquote, villains so that we can see that they were actually... um, They were victims. They were Mm -hmm. wronged. They were acting in um, in very reasonable ways that we can support. Um, right, they're re yeah yeah absolutely. It's not like um, reimagine yeah, and it's just reimaginations that kind of reach back before the uh, the original sin, you know, mm-hmm. so to speak, and then um, shows that there's a perfectly good reason why Eve wanted to eat the apple or something. Like yeah. God for completely forgot to make fruit. <laughs> you know, and he was like, "Wait, this sucks." Yeah, um, but I mean, yeah, and, and I say so you're joking, but I, I really think that that is true, right? It's either Eve is the the villain who ruined us all, or no, 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 what Eve actually did was a good thing. There's no mm-hmm. potential for Eve did a bad thing, but but it's okay. Like, but mm-hmm. like, look at all these other great things Eve did that right. made it all right. Made us willing to forgive the fact that she caused the fall of man, or whatever. Mm, yeah, I mean, I think, I think, I'm sure it just feels like I'm sh- there has to be like an ex- like many examples out there that I'm completely blanking on. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I think, I think it is interesting, definitely interesting thing about like, um, there's no no redemption. There's only like, or at least you know, caveat that I can think of like redemption. Um, there's like recontextualization, reimagining. Um, but all, and like, there's growth arcs. I'm not saying there aren't growth arcs, oh, yeah. but they're always like, they're, they never start from like, there is no like tainted past that, uh, that gives way to like a noble future or whatever, mm-hmm. or not tainted, but like, you know, evil past. Right. Yeah. I think, I think that's, that's correct. Um, sorry, I just totally blanked. Um, Don't worry, it's the it's the colds, plural. Yeah, so like the, that that's something that I think is is kind of inherent to the structure of the the redemption arc. Then is is its maleness, 
um, is the way that it is forded to men. I mean, it's definitely fair to say to white men. Mm -hmm. Um, There there are certain, you know, um, that it can be seen as sort of a romantic thing. Mm -hmm. Um, That it... uh, that it can sort of be used to forgive a multitude of sins in ways that are um, honestly kind of breathtaking. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, I mean, I've got a whole list that we can start going through if you want, or... Oh, yeah, sure. I mean, I think um, I'll, I'll come up with things uh, as we go through it, but consider this our mid-podcast pivot to specific examples, which Molly would support as a teacher of rhetorical fiction rhetorical writing as a way to provide concrete examples to back up our thesis yes <laughs> maybe i mean i i would i would accept a student writing a paper about this um so i started thinking about harry potter first because i often do we're the harry potter generation and um you know i think the the obvious example would be snape right who mm-hmm. gets sort of this um, huge redemption arc. I know that we did say that we'd warn for spoilers, and we didn't for Harry Potter, but uh, I'm sorry. Yeah, at this point, sorry, I'm not I'm not warning for spoilers for Harry Potter. <laughs> okay, um, yeah. I'll warn for spoilers for The Cursed Child, I guess, because oh. I'll mention that later. Mm-hmm. Um, not to do with Snape. But, um, yeah, so, so Snape, Snape is given this redemption arc that... We don't necessarily know, right? It's happening behind the scenes and is ultimately revealed in the final book. Um, But he, everything he's doing, it turns out, is um, trying to protect Harry and 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 work with Dumbledore in order to atone for the fact that his actions are what got Lily killed and also James. But he doesn't really give a shit about that. Yeah. Um, Always. And. So, I mean, I know, like, now it's sort of a little bit, uh, the world's kind of divided into, like... Pro and anti-Snape. Pro and anti-Snape. Um, and, like, pro and anti-willing to accept this, um, redemption arc. But it it sort of is unequivocally unequivocally meant to be a a redemption arc. Mm -hmm. Um. And where, yeah, like, he makes a sacrifice for... For Lily, but, like, for Harry, who right. has Lily's eyes, as we're constantly told. Yes. Um, and, yeah, working with Dumbledore, like, he, he kills Dumbledore, like, maybe one of the, like, proto-Jesus-type acts of, like, you know, there, there's this theory that, like, Jesus told Judas to betray him so that yes. he, could, he, could, he could die for many sins. Yes. This is a, a smaller-scale version. Um that he was willing to be like sacrifice his reputation and ultimately his life to protect the one person he killed. Yes. And also the one person whose child he tortured and belittled for seven years. Yeah, you know. Well, one one person he belittled many people's children for <laughs> yeah, seven years. It's true. Years. It's hard it's hard to If not longer. Um, uh-huh. But but yeah, so I think I think with Snape we are supposed to come out of it seeing him as redeemed and you know maybe flawed and maybe um, maybe not necessarily a, a, a nice person. But I think you know I don't think Jake Harling was being ironic when we're supposed to think of Snape as being one of the bravest men that that Harry ever knew. Right. I mean I don't I don't really land on that side of things, but. Um, 
But the fact that Snape is afforded this redemption arc, it's interesting because a lot of people sort of talk about the um, the anti-Slytherin bias mm-hmm. of the Harry Potter books, um, which I think is more of a world-building problem than an Authorial. ethical problem. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I would agree with that. But, um, but like, really, if we look at what the major redemption arcs or sort of redemption-ish arcs occur, like... Um, they are largely Slytherin, wouldn't you say? Like, you've got Snape, you've got, behind behind the scenes, um, implied, you get Regulus Black. Uh-huh. Um, you get uh, Draco. Draco Malfoy is an interesting case because I feel like his is a very um, weak redemption arc, and I think that's intentional. Mm-hmm. <coughs> Sorry, my voice is doing weird things. Um, I think... Yeah, and I think it's funny that we talk, we just talked about women in redemption arcs because we have um, uh, Malfoy's mom, who's like does something good, but because she's trying to protect her son, which we kind right. of understand to be her motivation throughout this. The love of a, I mean, the theme of a mother's love is all over Harry Potter. Right. So, I mean, fair. Um, yeah, but I mean, I don't think you know. I don't think you you see Narcissa as redeemed. You see her as human. Human, yeah. exactly. Um, and I, I think in the case of Draco, what's interesting is I think he's probably the most. He's the one in the best position to be redeemed, to have that redemption arc. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think there are a lot of narrative reasons why it would have been incredibly satisfying. Right. Um, him and Harry back to back. Exactly. Um, and, I mean, I, I, I totally get sort of people's critiques of the character and critiques of romanticization of the character. Um, but I do think there's something about, like, talking about a, a, I mean, really a boy who, yes, was a bully and a racist and, uh, <laughs> you know, joined a hate organization. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think, I think why is he sort of, he can only get this sort of, like, half-assed redemption Whereas Snape, who was a grown man, um, who sort of who continued knowingly, to be horrible, knowingly, um, why why is he allowed to die a hero's death? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, I guess here's my tiny little spoilers for the cursed child: is that Draco does show up in it, um, and it's he's not a great guy, but he's definitely like a good guy by this point. But it's it's really not. It just kind of happens. It's not, um, mm. there's no really arc behind it as far as we can tell. And it leaves a lot of questions about Doesn't how... his wife die or something? Yeah, his wife died. So maybe it was one of those... Uh, Jake, okay, J.K. Rowling also loves killing off, yeah. Yeah. killing off the wives. Yeah. Um, so... Really, it was like a 50-50 whether his wife was alive or not. Yeah, <laughs> his, his wife dies. And so I think maybe that makes him sad and sensitive or something. Um... And then I, uh, sorry, were you going to say something else? No, 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 go on. Uh, And then I guess the other big Harry Potter case, um, which was one Becky actually told us to talk about, and I think is um, a really good one, is Dumbledore himself, right? Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, Because Dumbledore gets this very strange um, villain turn, I guess you could say, in the Mm -hmm. seventh book, and then a very quick turnaround again back into um, sort of redemption. Mm -hmm. And for all the shit I give people who forgive Snape, I 100% forgive Dumbledore for everything. Right, and so, Dumbledore's I thing... <laughs> I mean, Dumbledore's thing... Well, I guess part of it's like... I mean, yeah, that's an interesting question because Dumbledore's thing wasn't that... Wasn't it that he could have... Like, he could have given Harry a safe and happy, non-abusive childhood, but he chose not to 
because he knew that he would have to kill Harry at some point. Yes. Like, in essence. Um, and Yes, and he knew all along that Harry would have to die, or he assumed, anyway, and didn't tell him. Um, and he, but he did tell him that he would have to fight Voldemort, like really forcing him to become this, uh, this chosen one, this hero. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, okay, sure. I mean, yeah, that, that does suck. Um, but ultimately the difference is that Snape made fun of Hermione's teeth when she was like seven years old. Right. So, and, and Dumbledore, as far as we can tell... Might not be the best administrator, but he, like, goes around handing out candy and forgetting things, so whatever. Yeah. I mean, and I think, like, I I think people really overlook the fact that, um, I think by the end point, Dumbledore was convinced that he he truly did believe, or at least mostly believed, and it says this, that though Harry would die, he would have the chance to come back. Like, I Mm -hmm. think Dumbledore, in the, if you look at the train station scene, like, that is what is that's implied, it, yeah. that's what's said, is that, is that he knew Harry would have to die, but he, he was pretty sure that he would get the chance to live again, too. Mm-hmm. And, um, which I think is, is a pretty essential piece of the puzzle. Right. And, like, the framing of it, too, is, like, Dumbledore is like, I made the sin of loving you too much. Yeah. And, like, okay, like, understandably, sometimes this doesn't cut it, but, like, Dumbledore's is so nice to Harry. Yeah. Um, I mean... And even though he didn't... Okay. Uh, even though he didn't, though he could have given Remus Lupin a small stipend for Harry to stay with him. Or even just Remus Lupin a place to stay, period. Uh-huh. Um, sorry. <laughs> no, is, I mean, and again, for me, like, a lot of Dumbledore's failings as a character that have to do with his administration um, and that sort of thing, to me, strike me more as, again, plot and world-building issues rather than something intrinsic to Dumbledore's character. We could, we almost certainly could have an entire Harry Potter episode, just because as kids who grew up on Harry Potter, we both love Harry Potter, and we love talking shit about Harry Potter. Yeah. Because it's not, it's not like the most, um, it's not an airtight basket weave, right? right. There's, there's a couple holes in it, and... The fact we returned, there was such a formative narrative experience, like ret- us returning to it and just being like, house elves are fucked up or whatever. Oh, yeah, don't um, get me started on that. <laughs> right. Uh. Um, which is why we're a little critical of it. Out of a place for love. Yes. Our redemption arc. Yeah, we need to redeem Harry Potter. Um, <laughs> we need to redeem it by having someone else take take over take the franchise. Um, yeah. So anyway, that's that's kind of my Harry Potter piece. I've got a whole bunch here, so let's try to move on. Um, we don't spend a lot of time off of them, though. Um, Game of Thrones, I think Jamie Lannister is really the big one. Mm-hmm. And I think, once again, I think this is a character who has been um, by an audience, and I think by many, uh, many aspects of the storytelling, <coughs> in the show particularly, more than the books, um, has been allowed to redeem himself Mm -hmm. um very quickly um very easily and oftentimes the show acts as if or like the the show and the book it acts as if his greatest sin was being with cersei but i would say like at least in the top three there with him (laughs) pushing bran out of a fucking window right like trying to murder a small child which i Um, think is it's hilarious i mean yeah which i think is hilarious because it kind of puts um Oh, uh, it's like, oh, it was a crime in a fit of passion or whatever. Like, mm-hmm. it wasn't premediated. He just saw 
A, all the ingredients, he saw a small child in a window. At the top of a tall tower. At the top of a tall tower. And he was like, mm, A plus B plus C equals me pushing this kid out a window. Right. Uh, and... Yeah, I mean, and, and he's been rehabilitated to a, to a large extent. And like, I I like Jamie as a character oh, me too. now. Like, he's he's a he's a cool dude, um, but like, I don't know. I mean, it, and, and it's interesting just because it's like it's not a personality facet of him that he likes to push kids out a window, but it I mean, just never comes up again. Yeah, it's just it's very much like oh, that's just. Under the water, whatever it's, like, it's called. It's like 50... Yeah, water under the water bridge. Water under the ridge. It's like 50-50 chance that Bran will even be like, oh, yeah, it's the guy who pushed me out a window right. when he shows up, um, when yeah. they meet up. Right, like, we're just... We're like, oh, yay, Jamie Lannister. He's teaming up with the Starks. But that happened two like, years ago. Like, if it didn't really matter that I tried to kill a small child for witnessing my incestuous relationship, it's like, don't, don't be so hung up on it. And I think... This is what redemption arcs are kind of. It's just kind of funny just because in this case, it's maybe even to an extent, it's not a redemption arc. It's just that people have literally forgot, like kind of allowed themselves to forget. And I'm not like saying that you're not, you know, this is bad, but you're just, it's not like he's like, oh, I need to like make up for that time. No, I, push this I kid think out. that's not true. Well, okay. I think, okay, I, I, hey, I think you're right about the, about him pushing Brad out the window. But I do think we're supposed to understand him if, as having been a man without honor. Um, okay, okay, fair, fair, fair. And so his um, his redemption is is the search for honor, isn't it always? Um, yeah, yeah. It's it's to regain his honor. Um, That's fair. And to be a be a better man. Um, so I do think it is a redemption arc, or I think it's meant to be that way. Um, mm-hmm. But I think you're right. Like the specific act that he is redeeming himself for is not what happened to Bran. That's sort of right. The only thing that the only way that's related is because, in a large part, I think he is redeeming himself for his relationship with Cersei. Right. Yeah. Okay. Um, both that... both because it was this sort of illicit incestuous relationship, but also because, um, sort of of her poisonous influence, he did many bad things. Yeah. Okay. Like push children out of windows. That's a great. Okay. That I. That's a great point. Like his, his tension is like he's like, I allowed my love for Cersei to like get the better of me in in place of, like, honor and governance. And so, like, the stuff that other people... Uh, it's interesting that stuff that other people seem to assume that he's redeeming himself for, like, oh, you killed Mad King Rhaegar as... It's like, no, he, not and, Rhaegar, Eris, but yeah. Eris, uh, Mad King Eris, and he's like, I do not give a shit. Well, I would I do mean, it again. Yeah, and I, th- I mean, I think that tension is inherent in storytelling. I think we're supposed to see what he did as... Even though it makes people see him as a traitor, I think we are supposed to see that as one of his more brave acts. Right. Um, so, there, yeah, there's a lot of mixed... And that's part of what's interesting about the character, right? Is like, the things people hate him for are not the things we as viewers dislike him for. And are not, and those, neither of those are necessarily things he dislikes himself for. Uh-huh. Um, and so what exactly he's redeeming and, and how he's going about it... Um, can have, like, very different results. Right, compromise of, uh, yeah, compromising his principles. Yeah. It would be pretty funny if he was redeeming himself for pushing Bran out a window. He's like, these windows have a latch on them. <laughs> um, God. Um, yeah, and I think, you know, and part of it is, you know, Brienne is just such a wonderful character, sort of universally, universally beloved, uh, I would assume, uh, <laughs> that, like, because she... She, he has been redeemed for her 
because she loves him, because he, you know, fought for her um, and trusted her, like, we are inclined to agree with her. Mm -hmm. Um, But, yeah, I think we we should have some, like, second thoughts about that at times. Um, And certainly I I would say, like, really, really he hasn't earned the redemption arc until the most recent season, his sort of final decision. Um, Mm -hmm. Like maybe, maybe you could say like, okay, now he's redeemed himself or at least he's, he's, he's he's now solidly on the path of redemption. I think, I think you can't say that he's redeemed, like, you know, spoilers for the final episode of the the, season, what, seven? Season seven. Season seven, where um, he said, you know, he leaves Cersei and he's like, peace. Yeah. And like, You can't say that he's redeemed himself of like being influenced by Cersei until he removes himself from the influence of exactly. Cersei. Um, another thing he's never expected to redeem himself but for, by the way, is the really weird rape scene that they oh yeah in well for no reason, and then we just pretend it didn't happen because it makes no goddamn sense. Oh yeah, it ruins his character. Absolutely, if trust like if you count it. Right. I mean, well, that that's an interesting redemption. If the writers are on a redemption yeah. arc, too. <laughs> I get the feeling the writer. Well, season season six really felt like it was a redemption arc for the show. Mm-hmm. Um, that didn't quite pull it off into season seven. Uh, well, and I think it's worth thinking about like Jamie in comparison to his siblings who don't get redemption arcs in different ways. Um, Cersei, because she is understood to be irredeemable. Mm-hmm. Um, Unhinged, yeah. Unhinged, narcissistic. Um, she's a woman who craves nothing but power. Um, she's murderous. I mean, she's terrible. Don't get me wrong, but like, <laughs> the, the from the beginning, Cersei was not redeemable. She was, she could be humanized. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think she had her moments. Um, and I think Lena Headey does an amazing job making Cersei human, but she's not a redeemable character. Tyrion, on the other hand, to me, has done things that are... um, Pretty irredeemable. Pretty irredeemable. One thing in particular, murdering Shay. Um, And this just has disappeared. Like, you don't talk Mm -hmm. about something that's been forgotten. That has been forgotten. Even when Tyrion brings brings things up later, he's more... He feels more guilty about being... The, the the man who shot his father, his horrible, awful, abusive father, mm-hmm. than being the man who strangled his, you know, former lover. Yeah. In cold blood. Right. In my opinion. Right. Yeah, I mean, it's... it's <laughs> and it's just so... It's hard for me to under, try to unravel, like, which part of this is, like, um, just writers literally forgetting, or... Whether it's like, or like it's attributed to like the the grim darkness of the the Westeros, where you know women aren't treated with respect, or I mean, I think that, I think part of it is we're just supposed to particularly, um, well, I was I want to say particularly in the show because they tried to make it like they half-assed this idea that it was like self-defense, right? And she was um, like trying to stab him or something, but um, but also she had a lot more character in the show than she does in the books. Um, but, but, but sort of either way, she just sort of becomes fundamentally unimportant. Mm-hmm. Like Tyrion matters and him being a central character who we care about matters. So Shay doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. She's important to getting him to his lowest moment because, you know, what's a lower moment than finding your former lover in the bed of your father? 
Um, yeah. Get those edible like, points. Okay, fine. You're you're now at your lowest moment, and then you, then she doesn't matter anymore mm-hmm. now that that moment has passed. Yeah, I mean, and then she disappears, and I think this is what contributes to sort of culture's idea about the redemption arc is that um, it's that she is she is unimportant. Like mm-hmm. it doesn't like he doesn't feel the need to ask for forgiveness, or does he at this point maybe even remember who she is? Right. Um, like, he doesn't feel a need to atone, he doesn't feel a need that, he doesn't even necessarily feel he did anything bad, um, partially because the show writers, you know, made it an act of self-defense rather than, um, just, like, stone-cold, you know, murder, Mm -hmm. um, in the books, which is, he's, like, overtaken by rage and kills her, I believe, Yeah. Um. I mean, and regardless, I mean, in the show, it was a pretty weak-ass Yeah, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't, like, the, the airtightest of, um, self-defense, defenses um and so yeah that's that's game of thrones i guess the other big one i would mention is the hound who i think um well there's theon too oh theon is the other one i had written down yeah so theon's redemption arc has basically entirely hinged on him being um punished far beyond any viewers sort of desire for revenge exactly like i remember watching season two which is when theon betrays rob um, I remember being so mad. I remember just being like, Theon, fuck you. I hope you die. And then the show sort of gives you just so much more than you ever asked for. <laughs> um, and I love, like, Theon's one of my favorite characters now. Um, but, but yeah, that's, like, what his entire I, I wonder... redemption hinges on. Though I do think it's interesting that he has been, he has been verbally forgiven by multiple characters at this point now. Uh-huh. Um, John has forgiven him and Santa has forgiven him. I wonder what to, um, it's like redemption as a journey and also becomes a source of strength. Um, and I'm thinking about this is because Theon is shown to have survived the fight because he has no testicles left. Yeah. Um, and, okay, I'm not sure where I was going with this. No, I, I mean, you're, I actually think this is a kind of a big part of his his redemption, quote unquote redemption, is both he has to be emasculated um, for us to forgive him, um, especially given the sort of like s- what what could be argued, but I think it's not fairly argued, but I think could be argued his complicity in Sansa's rape or Jane's rape in the book, um, mm-hmm. his his um, sort of his unwillingness or inability to sort of be a man and stand up and defend this sort of like horribly abused woman. And then his ultimate redemption is in stepping up to save her, help save her, help her escape. Um, which is him starting to regain his, um, his, his masculinity, but like, because he was complicit in this sort of like sexual, um, torture, like he couldn't be, he had to be emasculated in that moment. Uh-huh. For, for that to be forgivable. Um, and so now it's like, okay, now he can see that that is being a strength that can be used as a strength. He, um, not, I guess, not having testicles can be a strength. I mean, much like uh, it becomes for the unsullied. Uh-huh. Um, but I don't know. I don't know if I'm not being, I think I'm not being that coherent, but. Um, I mean, I'm thinking about, uh, yeah, I mean, and, and I'm not being super, super coherent about it either. I'm just sort of thinking about the stories in which we've kind of seen someone's um, recover from their downfall 
and like display their moral fortitude and like or turpitude or whatever and like resisting it but I mean I don't have any examples that come to mind so that's kind of like a weak like you know it was be like a summer person who spent his um you know, family savings on gambling, mm-hmm. went on redemption arc, and at one point was offered a chance to gamble again and said no, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, as, like, the the final, like, step two of the redemption arc is showing that you're, like, permanently redeemed, I guess. Right. Uh, and in this case, permanently de-balled. Uh, uh, I mean, like, yeah, he has to be permanently, um, permanently sort of desexualized. And then, because one of his greatest faults was also his, so basically he was disloyal and he was a womanizer. Mm-hmm. So, okay, he has to be, uh, like we were given sexualized. And then his moments of redemption are when he stands up to protect women. He stands up to protect Sansa. That's a huge moment of redemption for him. Mm-hmm. He stands up at the end of, um, season seven because he's going to protect his sister. He's going to find his sister and protect her. Mm-hmm. And that's a huge moment of triumph and redemption for him mm-hmm. so the so like the the way that these acts are okay so we're going back to sort of what we talked about earlier acts of redemption and the way that these acts of redemption tie off with the way they become satisfying is the way they become permanent so like an easy way to become permanent is if you die because you're not gonna yes. you're not gonna you know go back on your redemption arc mm-hmm. um and the second act is sort of what we're talking about where like we're shown that you've you've developed this kind of like um, moral scar tissue over your you know your weak point, um, and you can be trusted not to go back. Um, and I think this is kind of interesting. Thinking about like, would you say elementary, like Sherlock from Elementary, kind of goes through a redemption arc, um, or are That's you an just interesting so- question? Um, I don't know. I don't. Again, I find it hard to see protagonists that I think we're supposed to generally like, even if we find them annoying at times, as mm-hmm. being on a redemption arc. Redemption arc requires, like, like a step one of, like, people truly hating the character or truly rooting or, or against least, the character. Or at least seeing them as a villain in some way, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't I don't know that anyone ever sees him as a villain. That's true, yeah. Um, do, do we want to, like, very quickly go over the... <laughs> Avatar the last year. Yeah, Avenger. I mean I think we have to. Uh so So I, these are here's some spoilers for you, even though Be- I think Becky, stop listening. We're currently watching. She and I are currently watching uh Avatar the Last Airbender. So um we're gonna talk about some redemption arcs in this show, which I think has really, really amazing redemption arc or well, one very, very good redemption arc. Um and I think it's very, very good because it it takes so long. It's it's such a it's such slow a, burn. It is. It's a slow burn. It's a back and forth. It's something that viewers I think want from very early on, um, mm-hmm. but it takes a really 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 long time. Um, but you still have all the elements to make it um, also very convincing. Like first, this is, we're talking about Zuko here. In case it wasn't obvious, um, Zuko has not done anything truly horrible. Mm-hmm. Um, Zuko is also young. He's like 15, 16. Um, so he's sort of within the range where we're not like, okay, like you should have figured this out by now. Right. Um, and sort of when he, when he, um, ultimately switches sides and, and becomes one of the good guys, um, he, 
he has to sort of go through this process of earning people's trust um, and, and, and redeeming himself to not just the, the sort of team avatar that, um, you know, is inclined not to trust him, but also to his uncle who he um, betrayed. betrayed. Yeah. Who got super ripped in <laughs> jail to break ripped. out. Um, so, yeah, I don't, I think, uh, I, like, if I had finished my rewatch by the time we were doing this, I would have had more to say. But um, I think Zuko's redemption arc is very... Just because it, it both shows, um, like, basically lack of, like, actual, like, horrible crimes. Yeah. Um, moral vacillation and, like, the, the, the show that it's not easy that, easy as being, like, I'm sorry I chased you for right. XDX years. It's like it's a it's a thing of like once you decide you want to be like once you go embark on this journey, um, that's an entirely different act from um making reparations with people who have hurt you and to and that and like I don't know if to what extent the show addresses this, but like that's also like within their right to refuse your help mm-hmm. if they feel like um they don't trust you. And it's like, that's kind of a very, like, you've made your bed and now you have to lay in it mm-hmm. um, situation. Uh, which is different from many of the other ones we've talked about here, just because it shows, like, living with this decision and acting upon this decision versus versus being like, yeah, you know, I'm doing one good thing <laughs> and yeah. then tying. yeah. Um, I mean, and I think, I think the reason, um, you know, I think people have made comparisons between Zuko and Draco Malfoy in the sense that they kind of start from this similar place of being raised in these particular contexts where, um, you know, this horrible behavior is all very reasonable. A big difference being Zuko's family is horrible and abusive and Draco's is fine, it seems like, and like loves him lots. Just Uh, very rich. Spoils him at all. But, um... But I think what, what can be really satisfying as a viewer is seeing Zuko really grapple with having to, um, you know, turn his back on his family. I mean, mm-hmm. probably a closer equivalent, right, would have been, uh, uh, like, Regulus Black. Or... Percy. Per- oh, Percy. Percy Weasley. Percy Weasley is a good... Okay, anyway. <laughs> Percy Weasley also gets a redemption arc. But, uh... He's, he's not really ever a villain, but right. But you do kind of root against him for yeah. a lot, a lot, for quite a many. Quite, yeah. you're just like, ah, oh, what a little snot nosed nerd. That's true. I I like Percy. Um, <laughs> Percy apologist. So anyway, Zuko gets this really full, full, full body arc that I think is I think is very satisfying, or at least I remember it being very satisfying. And as I'm watching it now, it's feeling satisfying. I mean, I still remember. <laughs> The end of season two, when you think like, okay, this is the moment, this is it, this is when he's gonna, he's gonna realize that he needs to join the Avatar, and he doesn't, and he, it's like, I mean, it's a real low point, um, and it's just a great bit of drama, mm-hmm. um, but it also makes that eventual, eventual sort of change all the more bittersweet because he he doesn't choose to leave out of. Um, leave his family out of necessity or it's not because he's banished anymore. He now has everything he thought he wanted and realizes that it's still wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, it, so Zuko's interesting to compare to Iroh who has this sort of like uh, completely behind the scenes uh, red, I mean, it's not really a redemption arc, I guess, but 
Um, he's, he's been team avatar for... But, I mean, not that part, but more more this idea, like, I think we come to the understanding of Iroh at the beginning as being a very, like, the one good guy in the Fire Nation. Like, he's, right. he's, he's funny, and he's nice, and he's gentle, and he treats people well, and he's loving toward his nephew, and he gives good advice. Um, and then we find out that he was this uh, really intense... Um, like general, right? Uncle war crimes. Yeah, I mean, like who who committed terrible, terrible war crimes, and um, you know, laughed at the idea of watching the people of Fossing say burn, and mm-hmm. um, I mean, really terrible. And his, then his son died, and it kind of turned him into a pacifist or more of a um, anti-imperialist. <laughs> he was like, "Oh, war kind of sucks. War hurts people, but Doesn't like, it. you know, it shouldn't take you until you're, you know, 50, 60 years old to, to mm-hmm. realize that." But because it's all kind of buried under the surface, I think people don't really think about it. Mm-hmm. Um, the first time I watched the show, especially because I was younger, um, I just kind of accepted Iroh. Iroh is a good guy. Um, and then as I've watched it again, getting older, I'm like, well, Iroh is a good guy now, but d- does that does that redeem him? The fact that he is doing good now, does that redeem what must have been like decades, decades and decades and of decades of really, war, yeah. yeah, like being essential to this huge imperialistic war. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, he probably was as bad as Azula. <laughs> Do we see Azula as being redeemable? Probably not. Um, then again, Aang just had a had a vision in which he decided that everyone should be given the chance to be redeemed, which I don't know that I agree with. <laughs> it's a very children's television show right. thing to do. Yeah. Um, everyone should be given the chance. Does she? Does he take away her fire bending skills? Is that what happens to her? Um, I like, don't remember. I think Azula dies. I don't remember. Oh man! Really? Um, Spoilers. He, he takes away the Fire Lord's bending abilities. Oh, that's right. Him. Um, maybe she doesn't die. Maybe she's imprisoned or something. But um, yeah. So okay, we're we're really running up against time. I actually do just want to say, like, real quick, Star Wars: Darth Vader is a classic redemption arc. Um, I think this is really interesting because Kylo Ren keeps getting teased as being, um, you know, will he be redeemed? Will he turn to the good side? Um, and, uh, spoiler alert for the new Star Wars movie, he doesn't. Yeah. And I think it's funny just because it's sort of like, oh, right. Like there, there's different ways to be redeemed. There is like, um, and there's like just flat out self interest, like the moment when your self interest aligns with some other person's self interest. Like he's like, I think Snoke's like a, a jerk. Yeah. But he doesn't, he's, he's just kind of like, then join me and be my queen, you know? Right. Um, um, for, for, yeah, no, I mean, that that's about it versus, um, and like, we're, we're kind of seeing, right, we're kind of seeing like this potential, like he's conflicted. Are we supposed to interpret the events of the, of the last Jedi as like, he's made his choice? Like, we were kind of, you know, in a way we sort of saw the first one as, you know, return, what was the first one? Uh, the new uh, order, no return of the Jedi. No, it's called uh, the Force Awakens. There you go. Force Awakens. Um, where we kind of see him killing Han as like him he's making his, his choice. He's yeah. made his choice, but now again he's like, oh, he's made his choice? Question mark. Right. So I mean, there's always the potential, mm. and I think like it wouldn't be a Star Wars movie if that wasn't teased. Do you know what I mean? Right, like I feel yeah. like that has to like that that question always had to come up. I think people were frustrated that like. That this was the something the movie explored, but to me it just had to be like it, it's right, yeah. fundamental to what the Star Wars universe, universe is, is fundamentally is yeah. Um, but 
yeah, I, I think, and I think it also shows, the Kylo, Kylo Ren thing to me shows there's a difference also between being humanized and being redeemed. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would say, like, yes, he's been humanized at this point, but, but like, redemption is a lot more than that. Right, redemption is more than just sort of understanding your motivations. It's sort of sometimes, it's, it's like, yeah. you gotta be kind of sad you killed all those Jedi. Right, it's like, oh, I mean, that sucks that Luke stood over you creepily that one time, but... <laughs> But like you could have up with all that murder <laughs> right, and then yeah. joining like space Nazis, just wondering. Yeah, how do how do people get the okay? Yeah, whatever. And Snoke. Right. And Whereas, like, like, I mean, you know, you want you want like, I mean, I don't, I would not call Finn's arc a redemption arc, um, because again, I I think we have to really question his complicity. Uh huh. Um, yeah. Up, you know. Right. I mean, it's funny. Yeah, question his complicity. Like he was. A janitor, like and it's, it's well, sort of funny he how was, I mean, brainwashed, kidnapped right. as a child. Like there's yeah, a lot yeah. of you know no, question marks in terms of no. To I, what degree I think it's funny. Any of the, I mean, what's spooky? Like any of the stormtroopers are like, right, This like, is what's going on. Report to reeducation yeah. and so on. And I think it's and it's funny to me that the Force Awakens like brings up this question of like maybe stormtroopers are like people. But but only for Finn, and then every other right. stormtrooper is like just kind of like this faceless drone um, who heard, has a bad boss. I heard that they considered doing like a like a um, stormtrooper sort of uprising in the Last Jedi. Oh, that would be really cool. It. I'm hoping they'll do it in the third movie. Yeah, that would be neat. I mean, I would love to, to like see that Finn leading an uprising. That'd be great. Right. Um. Yeah. So anyway. Um, I, I, I also just want to say, because Ellis brought it up when we were talking about this episode, I thought it was a really great one. The Good Place as sort of this, like, story oh, yeah. all about redemption. Um, particularly, I guess here's a female Eleanor. Right, um, yeah. But we're also seeing, spoiler alert, Michael. Mm-hmm. Um, but kind of all the characters, right, are learning how to be better people and how to, mm-hmm. how to, how to love and learn the importance of family and christmas i think it's (laughs) in christmas yeah i think eleanor is an interesting so sorry for going over so much but eleanor is an interesting example because we kind of we've said before that um, protagonists kind of don't get redemption arcs because you understand them to be good but for eleanor we kind of see we kind of see how shitty she was uh, before we see her capability before so that we can understand her capability for change yeah um although again i think it's important that her shittiness is she is really terrible but she didn't murder anybody. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, you know, and I think I think that level can work and has happened. I think there was a show called My Name is Earl where, like, the fundamental present, pre- uh, premise was that there was this guy um, who, like, was kind of just a jerk. And then he wins the lottery and decides to use the money to, like, make amends for all the terrible things he's done throughout his life. But again, he, like... Doesn't. He like bullied the kid at school and like wasn't there a one vandalized where... something. He didn't murder anybody. Wasn't there a show where like a bully gets turned into a dog? Yeah, the one hundred good deeds. deeds of Eddie McDowell. I don't know if I remember the name. Yeah, but... <laughs> which seems like kind of like an intense um, karmic cycle kind of thing. Yeah, and so I do think that I guess I guess sometimes that that is sort of a premise, which is like somebody's sort of whole story is that they, they are trying to redeem themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, let's not forget like the genre of like business dad gets yeah redeemed via like 
learns how to yeah. love his child. I mean, or like Beauty and the Beast. But a lot of times, I feel like this is um, some sort of cosmic intervention, right? Oh yeah, like and he then gets... and then they sort of start, which I guess is true in the good place as well. But um, <laughs> it feels, I mean, maybe it just feels fundamentally different because they literally sit around discussing, like, oh, how ethics. do you become a better person? Like, what, like, what are ethics? Mm-hmm. Um, which I think is fascinating. The way the show foregrounds it so much. Yeah. Um, all right. So we've, we've gotten well over. Um, do you want to say what you've been reading or watching or whatever? Uh, last, yeah. I mean, over winter break, um, I wish I could, but I can't remember. I've been sick and visiting friends. So probably not that much, honestly. Okay. Um, I did a bit. I, I read, um... Um, I read What Is Not Yours Is Not Yours by Helen Oyemi, which is a collection of short stories. Um, it was pretty good. I'm not really into short stories, but there are a couple I really liked. Unfortunately, what happens when I really like short stories is I read it and then I'm like, oh, cool. Where's the novel? (laughs) Um, but it was, it was, it was a really, um, the first story in particular, I just thought was so beautiful. Um, I think it was called, remember what it was called, unfortunately. Um, and then I also read... Uh, Jane Unlimited by Kristen Cashore, who's a young adult author, um, and it's a young adult book. I, I didn't love it as much as I loved her other books, but it was, it was fun and it was clever. Um, it was very gay, which I appreciated. Um, it was, it really had a lot of, um, interesting twists and turns and sort of friendships and romantic developments. Um, I think she's a really thoughtful author, but without it getting too preachy. Um, mm-hmm. Oh, and there was a section that was honestly one of the most scary, like, horror storytelling segments of anything I've read. It was really scary. Um, <laughs> yeah, you, you may be interested. Oh, um, sure. I mean, yeah. I need to read. And then I'm listening to the audiobook of um, The Power by Naomi Alderman, which I'm loving so far, but I'm not very far into it. I have like a, I have a, I should check the progress of my hold on it at the library. Like there was like 50 <laughs> holds on it. So yeah. I'm sure that's down to at least 49. <laughs> um, I, th- I think that's about it. Oh, I, <laughs> I have been uh, watching the show Frasier for the first time. Don't ask me why. I don't know. I don't know People anything know. about Frasier. People I know started watching Frasier or like watched Frasier. You know how there was sort of like a Golden Girls Renaissance and then uh, Frasier Renaissance. Uh, was, yeah, and like then there Gilmore was kind of Girls. Like a Frasier Renaissance where like everyone I knew was like rewatching Frasier for some reason, but I never watched Frasier like never a single episode. So I was like, oh, I'll check this out. And I don't know if it's good or not, but I am like three seasons deep, so okay. I guess I'm enjoying it. All right. Um, I'm well, having fun. I know we never meet Maris, but I'm obsessed with her. I want... I, no, go on in this completely no. opaque, impenetrable <laughs> pop reference, too. But many people will undoubtedly get. Probably not. We're not all, like, 50-year-olds, but hey. <laughs> um, all right, that that's it. We can... Like, yeah, we'll, we'll tie it up. But, um, yeah, thanks for listening. Uh, as always, you can contact us. Uh, and we haven't checked over Christmas, so apologize if you have contacted us. But um, at StoryGutsCast, is that right? At StoryGutsCast is uh, our Twitter. On Twitter or um, StoryGutsCast at gmail.com. Correct. Again, uh, you can find us at our Twitters. And I'm at, I'm Alice Lai uh, on Alonkios, A-L-O-N-K-U-L-O-U-S on and, Twitter. Yes. 
and I am Molly, the Molly Jean, which is the, and then M-O-L-L-Y-J-E-A-N-N-E. Um, and feel free to follow me for all kinds of random opinions about a bunch of shit. Frasier, if you wanted Frasier. more more Frasier stuff. Actually, um, mostly I'm still just tweeting Game of Thrones right. all the time. But if you wanted her to talk about Frasier stuff, just let her know. Let and, me know. And because I'm sure that there's like a there's there's a lot of pressure building up um, from <laughs> from being the only person under 20 in a, a 15 mile radius. Under seen... 20? How old do you think? Okay, I am? never mind. Okay, right, right, okay. right. All right. Thanks for listening. Um, and happy new year 2018 and many happy returns thanks again to becky for suggesting this topic it was great um yep and stay hungry this has been story guts oh okay i'm molly that's alice (laughs) alice stay hungry all right (laughs)